Hey gang, Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts is now funded by Patreon. Join to access our blog and unlock special bonuses like essays, reviews, show notes, and other exclusive material. It's brand new and you can be a part of shaping the material we produce. If we reach $50 a month, we'll be able to start buying vintage Scooby-Doo novels to review, in addition to our regular episodes. Thank you to Charlie Adams, David Green, Jordan Ferguson, Katie Maxwell, Kyle Michaud, Matthew Bang, and Pablo Corden for funding this episode. Welcome to Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. The original podcast that painstakingly goes through all Scooby-Doo media in search of those two Scooby-Doo absolutely or Scooby-Don't under any circumstance. I'm your host, Amelia. And I'm your host, Billy. And we are watching The Creeping Creatures. love this episode. I think it's a true show of the humor of the series. It's got creepy monsters. We're three miles out of Coolsville. <laughs> I think this is as far as we ever get away. And I think it was very smart of them to do it here. Second episode, even though the first episode told us this is a very different type of series, this one shows us that we can do a classic Scooby-Doo story. Because, you know, change a few things about the aesthetics and, a, you know, about the character development, maybe, and you have a premise, at least, that could have been workshopped in Scooby-Doo Where Are You? God knows we saw our share of gator ghouls in the 70s. Just the one, I think. Yeah? I feel like there's more than one. I only distinctly remember one at uh, Scooby-Dung's owner's River boat, right? where they baked something very important that was very tasty, but was also spicy. Gator pie? Fritters or something? I think it was something that shouldn't have been spicy. A spicy Clearly, fritter. I've forgotten where Scooby Dum comes from. Well, I mean... I'm sorry. Hey, that's only two episodes to check, so we've put our listeners down an easier path of research... Than we sometimes do. No, there's four Scooby Dumb episodes. Two where they say that he's Scooby's cousin, and two where they say that he's his brother. Oh, I distinctly remember right. this because they cut it right down the middle like that. So I, you can't average out what his fucking relation is. Yes, I absolutely remembered that it was an even split. There's only one episode with Scooby D, though, right? Yes. Okay. Which is an appropriate number for Scooby D. I think she's fine as a one-off appearance. Not as bad as a lot of other lady dogs we'll see in this series. Well, not this one. Mystery. We've, we're past the worst of it. We are. I hope. I, I honestly <laughs> feel that any lady dogs we see in future... Will just be dogs. Yes. <laughs> but you didn't tune into this episode to hear us bash Scooby-D. You want to hear about you the came creeping... here to hear about Dixie Doo. <laughs> She's the one that you need to bash. That I, I think that's the one I was thinking of yeah. as being. D is just a dog. Okay. Dixie was a monstrosity. 
born of man and packed with, like, the devil. <laughs> I apologize. Who the hell am I apologizing to? D. I apologize to Scooby D. <laughs> and that's our at first glance. Billy, give us a premise. Yes. Well, uh, yeah, okay. Um, our, we, our at first glance is just going to be talking about the minor Yeah, regions, so, so. We'll, we'll wait until then. The premise is, the gang get a tip of a mystery in Gatorsburg, which once thrived on selling gator skin products until they ran dry and is now a virtual ghost town. While there, the engine to the mystery machine is stolen, forcing them to stay at a creepy hotel with three gator creatures on the loose. So, uh, right off the bat, the Fred Factor, cracking open the hood of the mystery machine. Yeah. What's wrong with it, Freddy? Well, you see that hole there? That should be an engine. Greatest line. Yeah. I always get <laughs> such a good laugh out of that line. I, it's the closest we've ever got to a super sarcastic Fred. It is deadpan. <laughs> it's absolutely deadpan. And I don't know quite what his character's reaction is to it that. It, it's sort of like, yeah, well, that's the problem. There's no engine there. Like, he's, he's like, well, I'm, I'm glad we identified it quickly. <laughs> we could have been here all night. Before they actually end up in Gatorsburg, we all start with the gang hanging out in Fred's house. And it is a large, like, country estate type house. I mean, there's a huge stonework fireplace mm -hmm. and... and... There's steps leading up to a grand double door, like Fred comes for money And <laughs> this you, series. In, in one of my notes, I think I said that it was because it was the mayor's house, but the mayor's not like the president. You don't have a special house for him to live in, do you? No. It's, it's just that, you know, in all likelihood, if you're succeeding at politics, it's because you're fairly wealthy. Yeah. Yeah, I that's, would say yeah, so. Yeah, that's why mayors have nice houses. <laughs> Um, it's also why they have issues of Traps Illustrated lying around the house. A magazine that Fred subscribes to, which does have quite the thirst trap on the cover. To which Daphne says, Freddy! <laughs> I, I just read it for the articles! <laughs> well then you won't mind if I cut out all the pictures of Traps, will you? <laughs> He he would mind because that's like diagrams that help show. I mean, that, that they're crucial to the content of the articles. Listen, the nudie pictures in Playboy are not hand in hand with the articles. They're not. They're not. But I'm so I'm just saying. I'm assuming it's the same for Traps Illustrated. No, no, no. You you can still cut the women out, but just leave the traps as they be. And also, any picture you cut out, it's going to affect the other side of the page as well. So you might be messing up some articles. Well, usually articles end with an ad, so... I know very little about magazine journalism. Magazines are mostly just ads nowadays, to be honest. Kind of a dying media. When was the last time I read a magazine? I don't know. Did you read any of the National Geographic that I subscribed you to oh, on yeah. Christmas? I, I, yes, I guess that counts as a magazine. I see that more as a periodical. Well, of course you do. <laughs> what else do you have to say about Freddy? Um, a great line from Freddy that shows a window into his character. You know, Shag, when we all graduate and move in together, 
We can have a room just like this. Oh, he's so pure. He thinks they're all going to move in with each other after high school. That's so cute. He he loves these people. They're his found family. Which, you know, it, it worked in our reading of Fred as an orphan. And it works really well here with Fred as, you know, someone who has a bit of an off relationship with his father. I'm sorry if all the tinfoil crinkling is getting picked up. I really want a Rolo. I will let you, I will let Amelia eat a Rolo. And and I do just really love this. He has the he has the heart of an eight year old, and I mean that in the best way possible. And I also just love a Fred who initiates friendship. This is a Fred saying, "Hey, Shaggy, when we move in together." He's not giving Shaggy any choice in the matter. No, but it's, uh, it's not like, it's you know. It's because he assumes Shaggy's going to want this as well. This just flies in the face of those live-action Freds who were like, uh, so, you like football? Like, F- Fred is not a jock. He is not a jock at all. He's a pure-hearted mystery boy. <laughs> and just because you don't have a clique for that in your high school... Doesn't mean they don't have a clique for it here. Freddy also has a scrapbook of previous traps, including when they caught the Phantom of Vasquez Castle and Carlotta the Gypsy. In his scrapbook of the ghost of Vasquez Castle, do you think he has any mention of the flying carpet? Like the the magic that just happened around him? Do you remember that? That carpet just started flying. That maybe that magic carpet is an unsolved mystery that they could make a direct-to-video film about. Well, it's not any more of a reach than Return to Zombie Island. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not at all. <laughs> um, I, I think it's funny. I looked on Scoobypedia about this to confirm. I obviously remember the Phantom of Vasquez Castle, but Carlotta the Gypsy. That is also a reference. But she was not named Carlotta in the episode. She was only named in the Gold Key comic tie-in story. And I assume maybe it was in a script or somewhere in their, like, Scooby-Doo encyclopedia that was listed. I do like to imagine the writer of this episode consulted their Gold Key comic collection in order to learn the gypsy's name. Is that all for Mr. Fred Jones? Uh, just one last note that he's cool with letting Scooby drive the mystery machine while everyone else was pushing it. Scooby just had to keep it straight. <laughs> yeah. I, I doubt Scooby even had the keys. Fred probably just put it in neutral for him and just wanted him to steady the wheel. Have you seen that picture that's circulating the internet right now of uh, people in a car and the car's like up to its engine and water and they're all like three people are pushing on the front plus a dog like the dog is standing up and helping to push even though he has no idea what's happening and he's just Uh, like i will mimic them i haven't seen that at all (laughs) is it a big dog it's like a golden retriever okay that's fun golden retrievers like water too so he is like he's making a personal sacrifice i won't go play in this water (laughs) i will help push the van that is playing in the water as far as he's concerned. That's true. I don't think he was really making a dent in getting out <laughs> of the water, to be honest. I just remember uh, my cousin's uh, golden retriever. They would they would bring that dog down to the lake, and it would be like halfway into the lake as soon as he got there. Just whoosh, running down the dock into the water, 
halfway across the lake. Never saw that dog again. <laughs> no, we, we did. Don't worry about that dog. I mean, it's long dead now, surely. So worry a little. I mean, not, not as long as, well, maybe longer. Maybe the appropriate longness that you think. I have a rough sense of time. What was its name? See, now you're putting me on the spot. And I will admit it was my cousin's dog that I only met a few times. You never learned its name. I learned its It's been a while. That's why I'm like, oh, maybe if I, if I can't actually remember the name. Sean, Ashley, if you're listening, what was that dog's name? Call in now. <laughs> they don't have my number. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our own dog here, Shaggy and Scooby Shenanigans. Scooby can read, 100% confirmed in this series. Yes. I think his ability to read has always been questionable. Speaking is one thing, but reading quite another. I mean, that, you bring up a good point, because this is a new continuity. Maybe we should start tracking those things we used to track at the beginning of this series. Uh, we know Scooby can read. Uh, Fred claims he can read, because he said he read that magazine for the articles. <laughs> we didn't actually see him read it. Anybody read the last episode? I'm, I'm really not going to keep track of if these children can read. Okay. They're like 17 years old. They can read, Billy. You know, oh, actually, that's a good point. In this universe, we know they're in school. So they would they would have been held back in remedial classes if they couldn't read. Or not. Education you, system is terrible. If you get to high school and you can't read, do they even try and teach you in high school? Or do they kick you out and you just have to do a GED? It probably depends on how good the faculty is and how much they care. I don't know. It's probably safe to say that the, the teachers that are so very tired of these mystery-solving children probably don't care about them. Fred had a good relationship with the biology teacher he last episode. He clearly doesn't. That biology teacher was really frazzled to have a dead body brought to him. Again. By Fred Jones. <laughs> um, what do I have here for Shaggy and Scooby? So they, um, it's an abandoned town, right? Yep. Gatorsburg, a ghost town. Population three, they, exactly. They go to a restaurant that looks as if no one's been in it in a decade. Gator Broken windows. Gator Burger, um, they, they find a pile of food, which I have described as moldy burger buns with gator fetuses inside of them. Because that's definitely like a smooshed baby alligator between two buns. 100%. It's not something you want to eat. <laughs> that's yeah. for damn sure. I, th I think even if this town hadn't lost its economy, that that restaurant should be shut down. Yeah. Just serving baby alligators on a bun. Now, they weren't even skinned. Like, were they even scrubbing them? Get all that gunk off their scales before you were expected to choke them down as a burger? If they hadn't been left here under the heat lamp for all these years, would they even have been dead? Or did they just serve you a writhing baby alligator on a bun? That's terrifying. That's like something out of... I don't know, what's a movie where they eat terrifying foods? Very specific genre of movie yeah. you're asking for. Maybe in Super Mario Brothers, the movie? <laughs> I feel like that's something Bowser would eat. Well, I'm just trying to think of something that would be a, a little animatronic, a little puppeted. 
you know, you'd get a little vo- I, I feel like in the Jim Henson hour, that's something Jim Henson would come up with. Because he was a sick, twisted man. Yeah, well, hey, in 1990, <laughs> yes, and in 1991, you could argue he was even more sick with a sad case of pneumonia. <laughs> Always bringing up everyone's really circumstances. Am bringing up the death of men I admire and and dog. I talked about a dead dog earlier. Why am I not, what? Sh- Shaggy says that girls are so confusing when it's very obvious that Velma is ticked off for obvious reasons. Now, maybe it's just because I'm also a girl that I can sense why Velma's ticked off. Billy, why was Velma ticked off? Well, because Shaggy is completely avoiding her. There are situations here where they could spend some time together, and he's clearly just blowing her off. Is that right? <laughs> that is right. <laughs> okay, yeah. good, yeah. I was... she, uh, he runs off to go eat dead <laughs> alligator fetuses. And Velma's like, hey, maybe you could not do that and spend time with me. And he was just like, nah, I'm gonna do this. And then she storms out and he's all like, what? Velma, what did I, did I, I do? Did I do something wrong? And she said, nothing. It's fine. This is not a real relationship. And Shaggy's just like, girls are so confusing. Like, no, they're not. Take a step back yeah. to look at your actions and understand you would rather eat a dead alligator fetus <laughs> and spend time with your so-called girlfriend. And you know what, Shaggy? That's fine if that's what you want to do. But pl- please do be honest about that. Yeah, tell with, Velma. With Velma and with yourself. Velma's very toxic, yes. But Is you're it, enabling it, Shaggy. It's, it's a... To- neither of them are getting what they want. Out of this relationship. Because I, I feel like they both just think they should be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. When all along, Velma should have been with Hot Dog Water. Well, we'll, we'll get to her. Well, you know this what? This is the future. If Hot Dog Water didn't smell like Hot Dog Water, I think she'd have a better chance with Velma. <laughs> we'll get there. With everyone, really. So Scooby-Doo is not allowed in the hotel. And, you know, even before they go into the hotel, Scooby looks up at the sign and its neon light flickers in a way that the only lights that are lit up say, The dog dies! And then he goes into the hotel and he's not allowed to sleep there because he's a dog. They're like, no pets allowed. And I do like the way he storms out with like, I'm not a pet. Well, you are. But I, I, I am. But I... I wouldn't leave a dog alone in a van overnight while I'm in the hotel. This seems so irresponsible. I'm mad Why? at the gang for this and for Sh- at Shaggy specifically for allowing this. I'd like to know your reasoning. Why is it so irresponsible? You're, le- you're leaving him alone. It's He's cold. He's alone. Anything could happen out there. It's unsupervised. You can lock the van. We're clearly somewhere tropical if alligators exist. I mean, alligators don't exist in California. They only exist in Florida. But there's no way that these kids are from Florida. Uh, It just seems fundamentally wrong to me to leave the dog alone in the van. People leave dogs alone in dog houses. And, like, 
if your dog isn't allowed in bedrooms and you live in a two-story house, you leave them alone to, like, sleep in the kitchen or the living room or wherever they sleep. It's still in the complex, though. I don't know. The van, it feels wrong. Well, uh, as if we If proven, we ever have a dog and a van, I'm not leaving that dog alone in the van. Okay, then you can sleep in the van with the dog. That's probably what I'll happily do. <laughs> and I will sleep in the hotel room. And that'll be fine. Uh, we're never going to have a dog in a van, I hope you realize. Not at the same time. They're fundamentally a... You know what the thing is, though? We can never do that, because if we have a dog and a van, and then people discover that we've recorded over 300 episodes of a Scooby-Doo podcast, it's just weird. <laughs> it's just like, what are you two trying to do? Also in the van, Scooby is attacked by monsters! <laughs> they don't break any windows or anything, I, it... Doesn't Scooby willingly leave the van? Seems like if he had stayed in, it could have been fine. I, I understand why he left the van, because of three monsters coming in. Looking like they might come in, You're in and you feel very trapped. Another reason not to leave him alone. Alright, you nutter. <laughs> you understand that in real life, alligator monsters are not going to attack your dog, right? Yes, but... Uh... Punk teens might. A question for the very end of this episode. Did Shaggy grab Velma's hand, or did she grab his hand? Because this episode ends with the two of them holding hands. I don't know who grabbed whose hand. I know that uh, Shaggy saves Velma's life. Because an alligator creature grabs her through the wooden floor of the hotel. And he grabs her and pulls her back up. And she was all like, you saved my life! And Shaggy was like, yeah, I guess I did. And there was like a genuine moment between the two of them. Yeah. Showing like, hey, maybe a relationship could work if either one of them understood what the fuck they were doing. Mm -hmm. So you I don't know who grabbed whose hand. You can save someone's life without being in a relationship with them. No shit! Yeah. <laughs> Firemen do it every day. Yeah. You're not obliged to marry a fireman if he saves you. And if you if were... If that's your prerogative, that, go for it. That would make being a fireman such a less honorable profession. If you if you were just doing it for the forced bride. <laughs> or husband. Multiple, apparently. Yeah. I mean, there's not one fireman yeah, for every there, person on Earth. Would there be a rule that you could only save one person and then you're done? Would we all become firemen and women? The world doesn't know. We're not ready for that. On the topic of Velma, Vel we know Velma's very intelligent. She warns against basing a town on a, a one-product-based economy. She's seen the, the, the destruction that leads to. Uh, she says that alligator is worth more than gold to this one town in particular, and, but she lauds the, the alligator-based economy, which you should. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think she's looking at other towns, you know. Look at, like, Detroit after the automotive industry collapsed there. Look at other towns and cities that are built off of producing something that we no longer need. Like asbestos. Yeah. Coal mining towns. That's, that's actually a great example, is coal mining towns. We're still burning coal. Because it's so clean, according to Trump. It's, it's not. Clean coal. And there's, there, there's so little left. Velma gets mistaken for a boy in this episode. Yeah, she is told she looks like a dude. 
How do you feel about that? This is the series where she's her least dudish. She's got hair barrettes in. She's got a more pronounced cleavage because the sweater is more fitted. Uh, The skirt, I think, has always been a dead giveaway. That's a good point. I think it's extra insulting in this series that she's being mistaken for a dude. Okay. What did you expect me to say? I don't. I don't know. I also, Velma's I, not a dude. No, I. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't know what my own thoughts were on it, so I. Did, I didn't have an out. Um. She's very bored at the beginning of this episode because they haven't had a mystery in she doesn't know how long. So they get this alligator purse from Mister E in the mail, and they're directed to Gatorsburg, and she exclaims, "Oh, sweet Christmas!" Because she's so excited to have a mystery. In this universe, Velma is Luke Cage, the, the Invincible Man from Marvel Comics. Or she's just not allowed to say, fuck yeah! They did. Either they, or. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mindy Cohen, if you did a take with saying, fuck yeah, and they cut it. I know that was your pride and joy. Uh, Velma raises her bangs a half centimeter to help bring up her forehead. Doesn't she say half inch? Because it's America? I heard half centimeter. Either that, or I heard inch and wrote down centimeter. Maybe centimeter, because that's even, that's like ridiculously small. That's, that's, it's funnier if it's a centimeter. It's funnier if it's a centimeter, and she is scientific, so yes. she would probably be using metric. If, but I any of the, if any of the members of this gang are using metric, it's Velma. I could have sworn that she said inch. But yes, she does do it to bring out her forehead. Is Everyone's that... favorite feature. Every woman... You know, because I I can get into you. I I know, I know. I'm like uh, I'm like Mel Gibson that way. But <laughs> every woman looks in the mirror in the morning and thinks, "Damn, I just wish I had a little more forehead." <laughs> yeah, and much like Mel Gibson, you think we all like to be called sugar tits? Just for the record, I don't think that. <laughs> and speaking of sugar tits, Daphne. <laughs> Um, I wanna... I I have more notes for Velma. Okay. I just want to point out that uh, it's Velma that gets to be the action man today. She hits one of the gators with a curtain rod when no one else is doing anything. And she crowbars open a crate, even though Fred is standing right beside her. And that probably should have been his job. She also... uh, There's this big scary dude that pulls up to fix their van. He's like, oh, what are you doing in Gatorsburg? And like, why do you think I'm going to help you? And she just like, deadpan, totally unafraid, says, mm-hmm. because you're a mechanic? <laughs> she can tell she, he's got the little ovular mechanic name tag. She's <laughs> totally unafraid in Gatorsburg. And I, I was going to point out that Velma also gets the danger-prone moment where she falls through the floorboards. So, I mean, would no, you... No, s- the floorboards get broken and she gets grabbed. Well, she's still going through the floorboards. How is that danger-prone if she's, someone grabs you? She's in distress. But she's not prone to falling through the floor. I know, okay. Also, I, I'm, okay. someone broke the floor. It's not like she didn't notice the hole and then just fell in. Alright, I, I just meant she got that kind of going through the floorboards moment that I think, you know, traditionally might have gone to Daphne. Um, so I, I just wanted to postulate, do you think this episode is more of a Velma episode um, than any of the other members of the gang? Whereas last episode I said it was leaning more towards Daphne. 
Do you think this is Velma's time to shine? Not really, no. Okay, moving on. Daphne sneaks into Fred's room at the hotel. This is not a hotel that allows boy-girl fraternization. Yes. But Daphne sneaks over because she's just that thirsty. Girl's gotta have it. I will say it is also after Velma sneaks down to the van because Shaggy has snuck down to see Scooby. So so there's, you know, I feel like she's like, well, if Velma's gonna go do it, I'm gonna go do it. And we're all gonna do it. Kind of. (laughs) I don't know. Not like that. But a little, I don't know. I just feel like she sees Velma modeling that behavior. Um, It leads to what I think is the uh, really, really damn cool sequence in this episode. When there is like the red flashing light of the neon sign. And Fred and Daphne are being attacked by gators in their room. It's, it's a really cool scene. I like Daphne and Fred in that scene. And, I, and I'm also going to say, after that, Fred, Daphne, and Scooby together, that's a team that makes Shaggy and Velma worth it. I would watch the Fred, Daphne, and Scooby show. They would get so much shit done. <laughs> and still entertain. Uh, Daphne is the solver of the mystery, pretty much. Because I've written this in general thoughts or feelings, but I'll state it here. This series is definitely one that doesn't have the time in the more episodic episodes to, like, properly explore mystery. Mm -hmm. This one, it's one clue is found, and then the trap. And then the trap works perfectly. It's also, I mean, I'll get into this later, but this is the easiest mystery to solve we've ever seen yeah i don't think it could have been telegraphed more um but daphne the one clue that she picks up and solves is that it is not real gator product that's being shipped out of gatorsburg it's fake because she's allergic to faux animal products okay but the way that she proves this is the biggest dick energy i've ever goddamn seen yeah she takes a fake gator belt and not like touches it or rubs it somewhere she fucking like whips it around her arm so it wraps two or three times around and then slides it off and she's like covered in like welts and a rash huge hives yeah and she knew that was gonna happen and yet still like Wraps her whole forearm in that belt. She's going to have to put some bomb on that later. <laughs> well, you know Daphne, she always travels with her bomb. Anyway, just a very... She didn't need to go that hard, but she did. Minor mentions. In our Going through our A-tier minor mentions, uh, the Bronson Stone Beat... I love Bronson in this episode. Because <laughs> he I, just shows up at the end. I love how he just shows up. He finds out that the alligator product is fake. He's pissed because he bought some of the alligator product, a full gator tracksuit. Yes. And so he's just like, arrest them, even though I have absolutely no jurisdiction here. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> it, th- it's a hilarious line. Oh my god. Th- welcome to Scooby-Doo, Patrick Walburton. I feel like you're definitely the standout of this series for us. 
Um, I also enjoy how he will not give them a ride back to Coolsville. No. <laughs> like, he's he's going to arrest these people because they've broken the law, but he will not acknowledge how these kids helped him. Yeah. The Mayor Jones mandate, uh, all of the parents in this episode de- decline to help out their children. Yep. His excuse is because he's already fully reclined in his chair. No going back from that. So he literally won't save his son because his feet are up. Then in the angel angle, angel does not appear in this episode. Why even mention the angel angle then? Consistency. Okay. Give you the option to edit it out if you don't want it. Mr. E's mystery. Uh, he's the one who first sent the gang the gator skin purse that kicks off the episode. And he also was the one who both stole and returned the engine of the mystery machine. So I just want to ask, what is Mr. E's purpose on sending the gang onto the Gatorsburg mystery? You're asking me right now? Yes. I mean, we know the answer from because we've seen this series multiple times in full. But in, but in this... Well, I know, it's confusing that he sends them out of town, but like, Crystal Cove's influence... Is like the cove. So, but was it just that Crystal Cove is the one that has the evil influence from like the planospheric disc and the crystal skull or whatever the fuck is underneath it? Or was it that it was like all of America? I mean, I, I don't know yet because we haven't gotten to that. I, I just thought here... It, also, three miles isn't that big. Well, I know, but, but why, you know, I feel like... Why did he do any of this? Does does he know this mystery is going on and he just wants to test the gang? Like, let's see how they handle a mystery. Could are be. They, are they are they worthy? Maybe he got got ripped off from fake alligator product. <laughs> and he was pissed. <laughs> That's the best answer. <laughs> Mr. E is there in his fake gator skin tracksuit. Maybe he himself is also allergic to it, so he's covered in hives. But, you know, being, as we'll later find out, a fat man with no agility to speak of, he couldn't go and solve the mystery. But this group of four kids and their dog could. And then there's our genuine minor mentions. The first ones appear in our cold open, and I'm just going to call them the Griswolds. Yep, this is a this is a National Lampoon vacation movie. It is a very good Chevy Chase impression. It's a fantastic Chevy Chase impression. And not like modern Chevy Chase. It's a really good young Chevy Chase impression. Yeah, back when he was a modicum of tolerable. (laughs) And also, uh, lending that some legitimacy, the mom is the mom from the National Lampoon movies. They got her for this. Good. Yeah. They're, uh, they're driving through Gatorsburg because Chevy Chase thinks that it's New York. It, it feels like the exact joke that National Lampoon Scooby-Doo would make. Yeah, he's just like, I bet this is Broadway. And uh, his daughter in the back is just like, we're 2,000 miles from Broadway. To which he replies, I wonder how you get for- to Broadway from here. <laughs> like... Yeah, they just get scared off by some monsters. It's it's very cute. They're very charming. I like them here, especially since they don't kill a dog. It's a cat that they kill. 
Do they kill a dog in another movie? I specifically remember being very upset about the Christmas one and the cat dies in the Christmas tree and I made my mother turn it off. Yeah, uh, yeah, they kill a dog in National Lampoon's Vacation. These are scenes which have not aged well. Why do they just killing animals left, right, and center? Are they fucking psychopaths? They're unlikable in this way. Luckily, the animated versions... Unhomicidal. Towards animals. Good. Good. Animals, in fact, getting their revenge since they're attacked by gator yeah. men. You know what? <laughs> Good for you, gator men. The Griswolds <laughs> deserve it. Uh, Velma's mother, who is also a parent who is called to pick up their children, she can't because she's addicted to the ponies. Yep. It's her night to go to the track. <laughs> she cannot blow this off. Do you think, like, she's, do she's like, rolling in the stats for these ponies? That she's being like Velma and really playing a scientifically-minded game? She runs the whole, like, spooky museum, and they have that spooky cafe full of supernatural shit. I think maybe she just got a vibe on one of them. Ooh. And do you think maybe then, this is Velma's way of rebelling by going right towards, towards the logic? Science? Yeah. Yeah? I I like that better than her whole family being academics. Uh, Fred's dad, as we already mentioned, uh, reclined. That's why he can't come and save them. Uh, Daphne's mom. Oh, honey, it's dark out and I can't go out in the dark. Just This mess of a woman. <laughs> Get this bitch some therapy, my God. And Shaggy's parents can't come because... They're it's, gonna fuck. No, it's it's still life night. <laughs> I don't know. Fred's... Shaggy's dad is fully nude. Got a towel draped over the nudity. He's holding a bushel of grapes, and the mother is only painting the grapes. So I don't know why Casey Kasem needs to be nude. <laughs> I think she started... She, the grapes were probably already there, and she was painting the grapes, and he was like, Hey, honey. How you doing? <laughs> Dancing on out in his towel. <laughs> Trying to distract her with, uh, some of that patented Kasem D. Mm, the height of seduction. <laughs> uh, and then the population of Gatorsburg, all of three people, all related. A brother and sister, Greta and Grady, and Greta's son, Gunther. Grady is a mechanic, but he's a grudging mechanic. Because yeah. he doesn't want to fix their van. <laughs> Even though he's a mechanic. feel like maybe he does mechanics on more of his passion projects. Like, I feel like he's someone who's really souping up his, like, NASCAR-style car. <laughs> uh, Greta is gross and weird. And her son is also gross and weird. However, his, her son is specifically Crispin Glover. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would also say... With, like, the, the black suit and very skinny, that it was, like, a, an H.P. Lovecraft. But then we get H.P. Lovecraft that. in here. I, th I think it's much more likely that that was a specific Crispin Glover look. Because his hair. That's Crispin Glover's hair. Yeah. I'll give you that, since we get H.P. Lovecraft yeah. later in the series. These three have such a hillbilly family vibe. Oh, yeah. The brother and sister definitely banging. Gunther is is of incest, and I won't believe otherwise. <laughs> there is no one else in this town for Gunther to be born of. 
Like, Greta's, like, fat, and her sagging cleavage has, like, liver spots, and her eyes are wall-eyed, which is the opposite of cross-eyed. Her eyes are some of the strangest thing I've seen in this series, because it, like, dot eyes that are not aligned is very hard to do. (laughs) And now, I'm just going to point out here, they seem to run the Bates Motel in Gatorsburg. The way that that hotel is drawn and the way it's positioned on the cliff, that is a hundred percent just a straight up parody of Psycho and the Bates Motel. And, you know, I'm, I'm loving this continue. I, I like references, guys. I like references and parodies. We had a lovely National Lampoon parody and we got this huge Psycho house. I like it. Sheriff Bronstonstone in that clip looked very flat. Any time they use these CGI cars, the characters within them look so flat. Just watch as he drives away. It's going to happen in a second. He is very flat, and he, like, gets in the car, and it looks like he's uh, facing the wrong way immediately. Like, he's just turned so he can back up, but it looks like he enters the car, and then, like, his torso just flips 180. very strange. Um. The villain of this episode. The gator creatures. Oh, yes, that's right. It's not a gator ghoul. They're gator creatures. Yes. One Uh, mate described them as creeping. They're very much Greta, Grady, and Gunther because they all share the same fucking hair. Yeah. Like, it's not even telegraphed in such a way that it's like, oh, we're we're alligators. But you know what's super cool? They're not just alligators. They're like alligators who are wearing oni masks. Yes, I was gonna say, it feels very Japanese. Mm-hmm. And the, the way they, like, scuttle about and they wear the, it's It's just this odd human faces on inhuman bodies. Like, the torso is still human, so the, the female one has tits under her scales. And then the back of it's almost snake-like, because yeah. you don't really see the little alligator legs. Like, they drag themselves on their big muscular arms after you and shit. They're very intimidating. And this is the case of a rare villain who is still creepy even if you know that it's a person underneath and if you know who it is underneath. Because this feels like three weird-ass hillbillies dress in gator skin and kill the people who stay in their hotel. Yeah. There is a world... Where Rob Zombie made that movie. Or... A good director. <laughs> I knew you were going there. The look you gave me when I said Rob Zombie. Don't even at me. He is the worst director just, to ever exist. Look, he just he, do, he does hillbillies in houses. That's a genre he can do. It's not a genre anyone wants but Rob Zombie. Well, you, you know, oh, who, who would we get then? No one. We don't need hillbillies oh, yeah. and houses. Stories. We got. We got that. We. You know what? Uh, who directed this episode? We'll just. Get, we'll. We'll give them credit. I, I'm gonna look it up. I don't. I don't credit directors enough on this show. Probably because in the early days they never let us know who it was. I feel like because it was always just Hannah and or Barbara. Probably. Uh, Kurt Geda. Or possibly Sir Gida. It's oh, he- probably Kurt. Since he's a white man. <laughs> yeah. But Gita, Gita, anyway, he, he, he directed the creeping creatures to great effect. The master criminal plan 
is to make fake alligator products and sell them as real alligator products. And they're selling them not as a faux product. You can get more money for the real thing, obviously. Yeah. But also because Gatorsburg has the most ridiculous <laughs> history you can imagine. Let's go into this. Gold panners went to look for gold, but found something altogether more profitable. Alligators! So they put up their oil wells, <laughs> and they dig into mountains to mine those alligators. Are, are alligators <laughs> even alive in this? Are they animals? Are they animal or mineral in this world? Apparently this, both. So this is an episode. Because the mines go dry. The Creeping Creatures is an episode that shows us that, yes, uh, the gang can do a traditional Scooby-Doo story. However, this world does not work the way you think it does. It's absurdist, and I love it. I laugh so hard when we, like, see the oil wells spewing gators, and, like, herds of gators being, <laughs> being lassoed and shit by cowboys. Like, okay, are you herding them, drilling them, or mining them? Where are all <laughs> the alligators coming from? There's no consistency with it. <laughs> but yeah, so these, uh... This hillbilly family is doing some alligator forgery. Yeah. And feasibility. Like, there is a black market for everything. So they're going to get paid yeah. for it. And, and for alligator skin? Absolutely there's a black market for that. Oh yeah, for some reason people really like alligator skin. They also just seem like the kind of people that, yes, would put on uh, a costume like this. And yeah. get very into the role of crocodile creature if you try to tell me that any of these three have not eaten raw meat raw human meat I, i'll be flexible on raw human meat but they've definitely eaten raw meat of other animals and if you said they had eaten raw human meat i'd say yeah all right <laughs> for terror scale i feel like i have to give these guys a nine and it's very early in the series Honestly, I love that they're kind of Japanese-inspired. Uh, I love that even though you clearly know it's the three creepers that live at the hotel. It doesn't make it, it any better. No, it doesn't make it any better, <laughs> knowing that it's a human in there. Makes it worse, if anything. Um, they're also always one of the first things that I think of when I think of Mystery Incorporated. Right. I think, fuck yeah, gator ghouls. I'll so, they're an eight from me. I haven't done this in literal years. Should they be on the Mount Rushmore of Mystery Incorporated? If you're starting another Mount Rushmore. I think I'm carving another mountain. <laughs> All right. All right. I, I, well, ten tentatively, and I, I think a strong case that they'll stay, gator creatures are on Mount Mystery Inc. Do you have any... Other general thoughts or feelings? I just want to say the music of this episode is oh. so off-putting and cool. I love the background music. I yeah. don't like the opening and closing themes too much, but the background music of Mystery Inc. is great. Th there is, in this episode, some of that, like, Cajun guitar to get you into the mood, and then some, like, Victorian harpsichord in the house, and the way that those two merge and blend, it it just gives you that feeling of, like, a nice hotel surrounded by a swamp that you will die in. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? If you head to the swamp, just assume you're going to die in it in some way. 
It's a swamp. Why are you going there in the first place? <laughs> some people, some some people live near swamps. I guess it's all that's left to do is decide whether this is a Scooby Doo or a Scooby Don't. And uh, no question for me, this is a Scooby Doo, absolutely. And absolutely for me as well. Gator creatures. My God. What's coming up next, Amelia? Next is the secret of the ghost rig. Ghostly ships have been a standard in Scooby-Doo for as long as I can remember. Boat or transport truck, though? I seem to remember it being a truck. I saw the word rig and imagined rigging. But you're right, my memory of the episode leans more towards truck. They do end up on a ghostly oil rig at one point when Velma meets that mermaid. But I do not think it's this early. In the series. <laughs> so we're gonna go with truck. <laughs> okay, hey, you're the one with any sort of specific memory. memory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my memory here. It's good for something like this, where I really am coming into it fresh. But uh, not so good for other things, like remembering anniversaries. Well, listeners, if you would like to reach out to us... um. We can be found online. We're both very active on Twitter. Don't say I'm very active. I'm at the Billy Seaguire. Amelia is at Fatal Amelia. And we can be found collectively at Scooby underscore Doos. If you're also having trouble streaming our first, like, what, 200 episodes because the RSS feed cuts out on things like iTunes and Google Play, you can stream all our old stuff, uh, YouTube, Tumblr, Feel free to download it, rip it off there, do whatever you want with the files. Like, all our old yeah. stuff's still available. You can also toss us a couple bucks if you uh, enjoy our program, uh, Patreon or, or Ko-fi for one-time donations. And I have my own personal YouTube channel, which I swear I'm going to do something new on any day now. Videos take a lot more effort than audio. They sure as fuck do. <laughs> I'm proud of you for doing them, though. I'm very proud of you. And on that note... That's it from Scooby-Dooby-Us. To Scooby-Dooby-Oo!